0: Praise the Lord, Amen. amen. Praise the Lord, amen. amen. Right on, man. Well, Happy Valentine's Day. What are you gonna do about that, huh? What are you gonna do about that? Happy Valentine's Day is one of them. Is that time of year, man? All right, that we should be celebrating every day of the year, Amen. Praise the Lord. That's how I'm going to have to do it, all right? So, uh, praise God, man. And, uh, you know, I got my girl, my gypsy girl, my Valentine, you know, praise the Lord. Um, I, you know, I, I, I had the, the, you know, the, the great moment in my life. I met her 40 years ago. We met 40 years ago. She didn't want anything to do with me, all right? <laughs> Chased her down, man. Chased her down for about, almost about eight years, just about, seven, eight years. She's pretty quick, All right. <laughs> You know what I mean, and then uh, 33 years, man. I, I got to finally profess how much I loved her. She still wasn't feeling it yet, but I, w- I was talking her into it slowly but surely. All right, and so we've been, uh, you know, we've been in love 33 years, man. And praise the Lord, amen. You know, 26 years ago, we we gave our lives to Christ. Well, she did actually gave her life before I did, but. And she, went, she actually went to a Billy Graham conference and, you know, gave her life to Christ. But, but 26 years ago, man, we gave our life to Christ. And within a few months after that, man, we, we got married, man. And we just celebrated our 25th marriage married anniversary. So praise the Lord. Pretty awesome. Pretty cool, man. You know, we got—we took off last week. Thank you for letting us take that time off, man. We took off last week, and we just went out hitting the road, right? We just went hit out hitting the road because that's what we like to do, man. When we take off, we, it ain't about like, oh, we got to get over to this place. We, we just hit the road, man. And any yard sales or thrift stores we see along the way, Boom! That's life for us. That's how we roll, man. So we we ended up in, in this one town, man, and we already had a, some little cool treasures that we found at yard sales or uh, thrift stores. were are many yard sales, all right. And uh, and and then you know we just hung out a few days, man. We will go over to this place, we'll go over to this town, go over to this town. One night, man, we're just hanging out, man, and we're gonna go get dinner. And I thought, you know what, you know, we were celebrating our anniversary. We need to go to them, one of them dinners where you got to pay extra that's what we need. We need to go to one of them dinners where you pay a little bit extra, pay a little bit more. You know what I mean? Something a little fancy. And uh, we've been yard sailing all day. or I am mean, thrift store all day. And so, you know, she was like, do you think we should change? I said, man, what for? I said, we look pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, man, I go, I look, I like the way you look, <laughs> you know, so let's just go. So we did. We went, we went, I found this real fancy restaurant. We went up in there, man. And, uh, and uh, I needed help with this in the first service. The matre, uh, matre D, matre D, right? Went up in there. He's all he's, got he's he's all dressed really really nice. And I walk up to him, man. I'm like, all right, we just like a table for two, right? Just two of us. I look back. There's all kinds of tables. He looks at us. looks back at all them tables and says, well, you know, we got a couple of seats over here at the end of the bar. I said, I said, well, check us out, buddy. Come here, man. I go, Yo, It's our anniversary. We ain't trying to sit in a bar, all right? I'd like a table. We'll wait. We'll wait. Not kidding. Dude looks at us, looks back. I don't think we're going to have a table for the rest of the night. <laughs> Straight up tells us that, man. I'm not even kidding, man. All right? Good thing David had bail money, all right? So... <laughs> You know what I mean? But, you know, <laughs> you know I, she's just like, come on, it's okay. And I'm like, no, wait, 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 wait. She's like, no, come on. And I'm like, you know, inside of me, I'm like, wait a second. You just, you, you don't, you know what I mean? And I wanted to do something. And she's like, come on, let's just go. There's another restaurant down the street. We'll just go to that one. I'm like, I'm huffing and puffing out of there, right? And we go to this other restaurant, all right? And she's, you know, she's, that didn't bother her. You know, at all. we go and sit in this other restaurant, and I'm still breathing heavy. All right, what do you want? I don't know. You know what I mean? So you know, and I'm trying to enjoy company with my girl, all right, and I'm thinking about that thing, and I look at her, and she's kind of looking off. It looks like she was looking off into space, and I'm thinking, she's bothered by this too. Let's go back. You know what I mean? And And I'm looking at her, man, and she's like, and I'm like, I go, is it bothering you? She goes, no. She goes, no, no, no. She goes, I'm just... I'm wondering about this lady over here. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was a lady over here eating by herself. She said, we should invite her to eat with us. I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, I said, no. <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, no way, man. Are you kidding? We don't even know her. I'm here with you, man. I want to have you know, but come on, just me and you. And I, better, I mean, but I actually, what came out was like, no, honey, we're just, this is just you and I have dinner tonight. And then she just kept looking at the lady, man. And she finally, she says, you know what? Well, at least I want to pay for her dinner. And I'm like, oh, whatever it takes to get her off your mind. You know what I mean? I'm not speaking right. All right. I'm kind of selfish, right? Whatever it takes, man. And so, and so, so we called the waitress over and said, hey, yeah, we'd like to pay for her meal. You know, uh, what did she order? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, or maybe her dessert. No, her meal. We'll pay for her meal. We'll pay for her meal. We, you know, we like to pay for her meal, right? And uh, the lady goes, she looked at us kind of funny. She says, all right. She went and she brought us the bill and we paid, the, paid it. We played, no, don't tell her we paid it. You know, we just, you know, just want to bless her. Well, so the waitress comes back at the ladies leaving. She said, you know, that was really, really awesome of you guys. We don't see that a lot she said, you know, it was her birthday and she didn't have anybody to celebrate it with. Okay. I know, make me feel like an idiot now, all right? And I'm like, and then my wife started crying and you know what she said to me? She turned to me and she said, you know, that's why we weren't allowed in that other restaurant. She said that. And I'm like, you know, she, I'm, I'm looking at all this, man, and, and, and I'm recognizing she saw something I didn't want to see. All right, her, her, her prayer and her, her preparation with the Lord, all right, you know, it led her to see what I didn't want to see, man. She listened from a heart prepared in prayer while I was listening from a heart that was prepared in pride. Prayer led her to see someone who wasn't being seen, and pride was leading me to not see anybody but what I wanted at that moment. Prayer. And her life led her to help someone else experience Jesus. And that's the big deal, man. That's way more important than a fancy restaurant, ain't it? Her, her, you know, And I and I just I was, I felt even more in love with her at that moment. I was like, man, I just love you, man. You're just awesome. I just need you around, okay? Because I'm an idiot, man. And it's like getting this thing right, right? Yeah, so I was like, this is awesome. <clears throat> and here's what I know. And now you know this too, that this whole world needs Jesus, amen. This whole world needs Jesus, right? And and Jesus' main method for reaching the world at this point is the church. Amen. He reaches the world through the church. So if the whole world needs Jesus and He reaches the then Jesus reaches the world through his church, then what does the church what does the world need? Thank you. The first service, they're like, the Jesus. I'm like, no, wait, man, do the math, all right? It's like, yes, it the, the, needs the church, which begs to ask the question once again, and we'll be asking this until Easter, man, and probably until Jesus comes back. Are you the church? Are you the church? And you know, man, I know sometimes yeah, many of us were very, very confident in that. Some of us are wondering, but well, how, how could I know? I think I am. Well, that's what these three little mini-series are, 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 have been put together to help us recognize. And to be able to recognize, yes, put this, this question to the test. Are you the church? Am I the church? Well, for number one, we went through this series, these three week series called the simple gospel. And we've asked you, you know, do you believe and do you trust the whole gospel of Jesus Christ? The beginning of the beginning, the beginning of the, the middle of the beginning and the end of the beginning. Basically, do you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that he created this whole shooting mess? Do you believe that that you know that that everything was good that he created and then when he created mankind it was very good. Do you believe that he pursued us this love and intimate relationship with us but we pushed ourselves away from it? And we created separation between us and God. And do you believe, all right, that he paved a way back, that he created a way back, all right, and we sometimes don't want anything to do with, and that way back was that he 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 sent his son to be born in the flesh, a, a human being, just like you and I. He sent Jesus to come and to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. To proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and, and, and to, and to, and to, and to give his life as a ransom for you and me. To shed his blood on the cross and by the blood of Jesus Christ, alright, we are set free from our sins. And by the resurrection, because he got up through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all right, he has put to death, death. He has put to death, sin. And the power of sin and death no longer reigns in our life because of because he got up. Do you believe that this is, this is, are you the church? The church believes the beginning of the beginning. The church believes the middle of the beginning, the cross and the resurrection. And the church believes and trusts that he's coming back. This ain't it. You see, deep down inside of every human being, we all know that this is not it. No matter how much we try to make a stance of this is it. In times of peril, in times of hardships, in times of craziness and utter distress, we're crying out for something, man. He's coming back. Do you believe and trust the whole gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you the church? And now we're entering into the second part, uh, of these three part of these three series, these, whatever you, are, I just got through saying, all right? This new series, all right? The second series of called Casting Down Your Kings. Basically, are you the church? And the church are those men and women who recognize those things in their life, those attitudes in their life, those characteristics in their life, those ideals in their life that exalt themselves above God, all right? Do you recognize those things that are in your life that try to exalt themselves above God and do you cast them down and allow only God to be exalted in your life? And then finally, we're going to be, and not finally, but we're going to be in another series right after this and through in four weeks from now called Set Apart. Are you the church? Are you the church that pursues God, that pursues holiness? All right? God himself, he says, you know, be holy because I'm holy. Are we the ones that are going to pursue holiness? Are we going to live this set apart life that is set apart from the life that you lived before you knew Jesus? Are you going to live this different life that makes a difference in life? And then the, the the day, the weekend before Easter, we're putting it together in one of my favorite subjects, man. One of my favorite subjects, I call it the 116. The 116, man, we're, oh, it is, it is it revela- Revelations, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of any of that gospel. I'm not ashamed to cast out my kings. I'm not ashamed to live a set-apart life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Amen. Not ashamed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then we're going to invite all the masses. We're always inviting the masses to come, all right? But this Easter, man, and we're going to bless them as we kind of ask everybody to wake up. <laughs> come on, man! Everybody claiming they're woke, but not very many people are awake. And so we'll talk about that, God willing, this Easter. But I got to ask you a question: Are you the church, man? Are you the church? Come on, man. And so uh, we're we're starting this series today. Uh, it's three weeks. This week, next week, and next, and the week after. Called casting down your kings, and and basically the scriptures, uh, you know, refers to this uh, this idea that we're approaching is basically idol worship, having idols in your life. All right, casting down idols that are in your life. And I know, man, when 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 we think of you know how the scriptures portray idols and idol worship, we think of these fake deities and these false deities and these statues and these temples that they went in and they did did all kinds of weird stuff as they were f- f- uh, worshiping something that wasn't there or something that just didn't have any business being exalted above God. And, and in a sense, yes, that is, a, that is definitely still a real thing, but, but I want to talk to you on a more deeper level, not a behavioral level, but, but, but an internal level when it comes to casting down these Kings I love what Pastor Justin says. He says, idolatry, when talking about idolatry, he says, idolatry stems stems from from the desire and need to worship. Idolatry stems from the desire and need to worship. We're worshiping people, man. We need to worship. And you know what? You're thinking, you know what? I can't think of anything on the planet that I worship. And I just want to tell you, man, you know what? We're going to put that to the test today. Idolatry, basically, in the simplest terms is misplaced worship, all right? Misplaced surrender, misplaced loyalties, misplaced service, and maybe even misplaced love. Idolatry finds its roots in pride. It finds its roots in pride, man. You know what? When we think of, you know what? I'm not worshiping anything else. Wait a second. Let's just kind of take a look throughout the scriptures. You see how pride was the first downfall of every area of mankind, by, and he says, so I want to share with you, idolatry, it finds its roots in pride. Why do I know that? Because we worship what works for us. That's what we do. We worship what works for us. We want, all right, we, we do what we do because we want what we want. All right, we want what we want, so it makes us go and do what we do. All right, well, and anyway, so when you take idolatry and break it down to its most simplest forms, When it comes right down to it you're your biggest idol you are your biggest idol because all your idols point to you all the things you desire all the things you worship all the things you surrender to all the things that have your loyalties all the things that 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 call for your resources all right are there to serve you even when you put a person in that place and you just worship that person it's because of what that person does for you or even makes you feel However weird or twisted that can get, I can't, I can't name. But you know what? I do know this, man. You, in this, and basically, in reality, are your own biggest idol. We drink too much because we want comfort, right? We we hurt and argue and abuse because we want control. We eat way too much because we want comfort and control. All right. We we seek attention in ways that are not healthy and are not productive. Because why? Because it just makes us feel better. At the end of the day, man, we're our biggest idol, pride. And what's crazy, man, when it comes to these little things that I just shared right there is we, we, when we talk about this, we always begin with behavior modification, with fixing our behavior, with changing our behavior. You shouldn't drink so much. You shouldn't eat so much. You shouldn't be hurtful so much. You shouldn't be so abusive. You know, all these things could be true and many are very true. All right. But, 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 but if we just attack the surface and we don't go inside, it's just going to come back. Behavior modification is not the pursuit. We need to pursue the inner person. We need to pursue the inner woman. The inner man is what we need to pursue. Behavior modification, only working on the outside, turns my life into this huge sinkhole. Has anybody here ever seen a sinkhole? Ever seen one, actually seen one? All right, face to face, it's a crazy thing. Sinkholes are pretty, pretty, was wild. There's like a really nice road or a really nice yard or a really nice building. And all of a sudden the ground just goes, right, <gasps> and there it goes. In Florida, it happens so much. They have, actually have an area in Florida, that, uh, just kind of a little range that they call sinkhole alley because it happens often. Scientists say that the reason of this is because, you know, when there is a drought, when there's extreme droughts, underground bodies of water start to dry up all right, and it just brings, and all you have there is sand and holes underground. And when it, and then after the drought, when you get these heavy, heavy rains, it just downpours, all right? And then it just saturates the ground. And then it just starts to fall apart into those holes. And you have these sinkholes because there's nothing underneath. You look outside and where there used to be a road, it's gone, the sidewalk is gone, part of your lawn is gone. And now your house is like right there ready to be gone as well pretty scary thing, but the problem with our lives is when we only work on the outside and we don't pay attention to the inside, when our pride causes us to, yes, look at me, yes, look at this, yes, I've done this and I've accomplished that, all right, and we don't work on what's on the interior, we become this sinkhole, and then these pressures in life start to just press in, man, and these things in life start to press in, and and then we just cave in. We're pursuing all the wrong things. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal, which I never read, all right? So just to let you know. <laughs> Anyways, there's this article in the Wall Street Journal, and uh, actually, it was a series of articles called Executive Crisises." And there's this one story about this guy named Maxwell. Um, Gerald or Jaron, what was his name? Yeah, Gerald, Gerald H. Maxwell. And he was this young entrepreneur, all right? He was just always just a real go-getter. He was always a get-the-job-done kind of guy. Everybody wanted him on their team, man, because he was just always, out, oh, boom, boom, making stuff happen. And then he, uh, at one point, he developed this really, really high-tech company, and it just started making money and money and money and started just gaining all kinds of ground and stocks were going up, and it was just crazy. Everybody was, was was just kind of just saying, What a great guy he was, what a great job. They they were actually calling him a managerial genius. It was amazing the things that he was accomplishing. And, it, and then, you know, the things around him were just like getting bigger and better and like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, bigger house, bigger cars, all this stuff. Not a lot wrong with a bigger house and having, you know, more cars and stuff like that. That's whatever the case may be. However God leads you, I don't know, man. Right? But, but it seemed like that he was, he was not, not really taking care of what was on the inside. And we know this because that, all that lasted for only a moment because the market turned. And as soon as the market turned, the, the stock's Begin the crater. And the board of directors had to make some pretty harsh decisions. And Maxwell was one of the main guys to suffer from it. And in the journal, it writes this it says, This day is etched in Maxwell's memory. His family never forgot it either because for them, it was the day that he started just weeping uncontrollably in his room. It was the day that his exuberant self confidence ended. And his depression began. It was the day that his world and their world came tumbling down and just creating, cratering in and in and in. And there was just nothing to stop that pressure. Maxwell actually himself goes on and he says, You know, the Bible says that if you ask for something, uh, you'll receive it. He says, Many times I was asking for God to take my life because he didn't see any reason. There was nothing on the inside. It wasn't building and working the inside. Gordon MacDonald is another writer. He shares this of Maxwell. He says, Maxwell appeared to lack the inner resources to handle this situation. Jesus himself said this, whoever would save my life, Luke 9, 24, Father, it's your word. We pray, Lord God, for your your, your, your blessing on us to receive your word, Lord God. Break down our walls so that we could hear your voice. Jesus said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? See, pride sets the stage, all right, for sinkhole in my life. (laughs) <laughs> and the, and, you know, and, and, it's, and it's crazy because it, it keeps me from developing. Pride keeps me from developing the inner person the, that only praising God can develop, that only uh, prayer and repentance and prayer for others can develop, that only being in his word and discovering purpose can develop. Pride keeps me from all of that. I believe this is why the apostle, he writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, he's not talking about the planet, the globe, all right, saying don't love the globe. He's not talking about humanity, don't love the, the people. He's talking about the world values and systems and even ethics, all right, that are in contradiction to God, that are that are in complete denial of the existence of God, all right, that are, that are actually in rebellion to God. He says, "Don't love the world, those systems, and those values, and those, and those, even those quote-unquote ethics or whatnot, and that leadership." Basically, what he means is, don't have such a great an affection for these things that it creates this 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 unquenchable loyalty, this continual loyalty to things. He says, he says, "Don't love." the world or the things in the world. And I think this is important. We need to pay attention to the things because we gather so many things, all right? And we want more and more things because they feed our pride and our ego. And so we want more and more things. But the problem is, is when, when those things become our king and our pride becomes our king and desires all these different things in our life and we start beginning to live a life of loyalty to things, all right, we'll find ourselves, even as Christians, living a very upside down life. Because as Christians, our equation is all off, our, our lifestyle is all off. As Christians, instead of loving God and using things, we end up loving things and and we use God to get more things. He says, says, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he's not saying that God does not love you. He's not saying that. He's just saying you won't be able to see the love of that person, the love of God in that person. It's like Debbie and I sitting at that table. (laughs) And for a moment, man, nobody was seeing the love of God in me, man. They were seeing it in her. I just wanted whatever I wanted. He goes on in the next verse, he says, For all that is in the world, all that is in the world, in those systems, in those values, in that rebellion and contradiction of God. And he names it the desires of the flesh. The desire of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. These new kings that you invite in your life, that you don't even know they're kings. It's pleasure, he says, the desires of the flesh, pleasure becomes your king, all right? The desire of the eyes, pride is your king. And the pride of life is, becomes your king. And here's the crazy thing about pride. The pride of life, the pride itself is actually the king of those other kings. Pride is the king that, that is the king of kings in your life. When pleasure and, 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 and power and pride are kings, pride is the winner, it's the initiator, it's the usurper, it's the overseer of all those kings here's how you could tell, man, when when pleasure is your king, Christianity is only good for a feeling. Only good because it makes you feel good. When pleasure is your king, Christianity is only good for a, a feeling. When power is your king, Christianity is only useful as a tool. And when pride is your king, Christianity at its best is only an accessory. They're like, what kind of pride are you talking about, man? What kind of pride are you talking about? Because I mean, isn't there good things to be proud of and stuff like that? I mean, are you talking about? Because so there's this pride God hates. Is that does He hate when I am pride, You know, have pride in accomplishment that it was that actually was was helpful. Is there a problem when I have pride for other people who accomplish good things? I love what Emery Kincaid said, man. She just had this really, really good insight um, when she shared, uh, uh, you know, because we're asking this question, well, what, what, what pride is he talking about? She said, and how could we tell She said this. She said, if you take a look at these different types of pride, which ones are bad and which ones are good, put it in this perspective. I am great pride or accomplished great things that, was, you know, for the, that's, that served a great cause. Accomplished great things that served a great cause, that's not a bad deal. I am great. That's a problem. What about others? When, well, okay, again, well, let's take it again. I am great, or I, I'm, I'm very proud of the things that you've accomplished. See, those aren't so bad, but the I am great is where the problem lies. You see, because pride is basically the desire to be exalted. I want to share a couple of statements. And I want you to see, okay, let's just put some Let's put some pride tests down here. Let's just lay some stuff out here because you know what? And this does not mean that you're just a majorly prideful person. This mean, could mean, some of these things could mean that pride is creeping into your life or has already creeped into your life. So I want you to listen to these statements and I want you to do some self-examination. But let me just kind of help you out real quickly because pride will keep you from examining yourself. And once you start hearing these statements, if you're very, very prideful, you'll start attributing them to somebody else. So don't listen to these statements. Like, oh yeah, that's him. Oh, that's her. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. Listen to them and do some self-examination. Let me ask you these, these statements. Do you agree with this? Is this something that happens with your life? Frequently you're putting all of the attention on yourself. Do you find yourself frequently putting all the attention on yourself? All the attention. Not I mean, having attention, there's good attention. All right. And that's, that's not a bad thing, but do you frequently find yourself putting all the attention on yourself? Are you struggling to empathize, all right, with the hurt and the pain and sorrows of other people? Do you find it, do you always try to find a reason that why, well, this is why they're like that? Or do you just try to understand their story? Do you ever find yourself feeling self-pity when you're not praised? When people ain't saying, whoa, when people ain't coming at you and giving you a, a good attaboy. There's nothing wrong with attaboys, all right? There's nothing wrong with somebody saying, hey, good job. I love it when somebody tells me I have a good job. All right, I fix things around the house, man. I'm like, oh, he goes, I fixed the toilet at the house. All right, it was had a problem. And I fixed it, all right? And I called Debbie up there. And I was like, look at that. <laughs> it's fixed. And She said, finally. <laughs> All right, but then she did tell him, good job. Well, thank you. I needed that. It's not a bad thing to be praised, man, but if you're always feeling self-pity because you're not, this could be a problem. Or you're constantly considering what others think of you, all right? Or are you avoiding people who are better at you at certain things? Oh, there's no way I'm going to go up there because they're better and they'll make me look bad. Or are you easily finding flaws in others? Again, once again, pride is essentially self-worship. But here's the truth when it comes to all these accomplishments, all right? Anything we accomplish in this world would not have been possible if not for the grace of God, all right? The power of God, the enabling of God, the sustaining of God. Everything that we have built, we built using His building materials. It's like that story where the where the where the enemy comes to God, the devil comes to God, and he's like, you know what? I can make people just like you, all right? I know I can do it, man. And we're doing cloning, we're doing all kinds of stuff. You don't, you know what? You're you're out of the box. God says, well, go ahead, let me see you make a person. You, you 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 know out out of dirt like I did the first one. Devil says, all right. God says, hold on, man, get your own dirt. <laughs> get your own dirt. Try to do it without. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Put your pride in check. You want to put your pride in check? Ask yourself, all right, these following, you know, do you believe these following lies? Do you believe, I'm going to put these ones up here. Do you believe these following lies? All right, the fruit in my life is from my own labor, I'm the one who got this done. It wouldn't have got done with it. I'm the one who created. I did this. I built this empire. I built this life. I did. You know, is, is, is this, does this ever describe you? Do you believe that lie? Do you believe that lie? Do you believe the lie that says, I know what's best for me even more than God does? Do you believe that lie? Do you believe this lie that God isn't concerned with what I do? He's got bigger things, man. Do you believe the lie that says my sin is not that serious? Which is a contradiction of terms. Sin, not that serious, already a problem. Or do you ever believe the lie that says, hey, you know what, I am humble enough. I'm humble enough. You know what? Here's what's crazy. If anybody else says these kind of things... We look at them like you are way too (laughs) prideful. But if we justify these things in our lives, you know what? It's not a big deal. You know, my sin's not that serious. Somebody else says that. Did you hear what you just said? You got a problem. Right? We got to check ourselves, we have to pay attention to the interior. All right, we get too focused, you know what? And I get it. We live in a world that is just very exterior driven. Very, very exterior driven. Constantly looking what they see on the outside, what accomplishments, all right, what victories, you know, what I mean, what, you know, what do you look like, you know what I mean? You know, what do you got, you know? Uh, you know, it's this constant Well, we need to pay attention to the inner self. I love, John Quincy Adam was our sixth president of the United States, right? And I love what he said to his daughter. He was in Washington, and he was working away from his family. His family lived in Massachusetts, right? And he's working there for, for a long time, and he was missing his family. And he wanted to send more letters of encouragement to his wife, to his son, and his daughter, And his daughter was actually, you know, entertaining the idea of when she's going to get married and stuff like that. And he writes this. This is just a little piece out of his letter to his family. I'll put it up there. He says, he said this to his daughter. He says, daughter, get an honest man. Get an honest man. Re- and, and look at this. Regard the honor and moral character of the man. In other words, if you're going to regard anything in this guy's life, not how much he's got, not how handsome and beautiful he is, not how many other people want him, not how much money he's got, not all that. He said, look, look, check, regard first honor. Is he honorable? Regard first moral character. What is on the inside? And look at this, "Of, of, of the man, more than all circumstances. Think of no other greatness but that of the soul. That's huge. Think of no other greatness but that of the soul and no other riches but that of the heart. That's a good word, man. When we constantly pursue the exterior of people's lives, guess what you're going to constantly uh, you know, get? the exterior, and when we constantly show how much we value the exterior of people's lives, what do you think we're teaching our children? Think of no other greatness but that of the soul. No other riches, that of the heart. Pride creeps on every one of our lives. It just does. And we need to put it in check. There are many things we can say and do, but I want to challenge you with what I think just, it just helps me more than anything, to put my pride in check. It's praise, it's prayer, and it's purpose. Praise. Prayer and purpose always helps me put my pride in check. It orders the inside of my life. You understand what I'm saying? It orders the inside, the interior of my life. It makes me, I have to get intentional with praise, prayer, and purpose, I have to get very, very intentional of paying attention to the inside, not what everybody sees, because many times we, they just see what we want them to see. But in those quiet times, in those moments alone, all right, in those, in those times where nobody else is watching, we have the opportunity to put in order that inner person. And I cannot think of any greater way and prayer, praise, or praise, prayer, and purpose, in that order, actually. Praise, prayer, and purpose. Praise is where I come face to face with God Almighty. It's where I allow myself to come before God and recognizing that he is in the room. He's not just in the universe. He's in the room with me. And coming face to face with God I can do nothing else but praise him for who he is and for even allowing me to be in the room. If you ever have a hard time with praise, with trying to, how do I praise God? What can I do? Open your Bible right to the middle and you'll find this book in the Bible called the book of Psalms. And you can't go a page without seeing somebody just praising God for who he is. Not for what he's done for you, but for who he is is praise him the creator of all time the creator of all space the creator of every living being every living person the creator of heaven and earth it puts my pride in check because i cannot think of a time where i would go into that audience look god in the face and tell him you know what i deserve You're right. I deserve death. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging God, acknowledging big old he and a little old me just drops a building on my pride. Amen. Amen? And all you see is those two little feet like on the Wizard of Oz curl up. (laughs) Done. Done. Praise leads me into prayer. Praising God for who He is leads me into a prayer that begins with a prayer of repentance because I recognize there's nothing I did to deserve to be in front of God. And it leads me, man, to this to this prayer of repentance, where I start to review my life, and I review the things that I let my eyes, you know, gaze at, that I let my mouth speak of, that let my mind entertain. And I just started to just ask God to just for you know to receive the forgiveness that He's already given me from the cross, all right? And I just and I and I lead this life into repentance. And what repentance does? Repentance sets the table of my confidence in the presence of an Almighty all-perfect God. Repentance sets the table of me having any confidence of being right there with Him because I agree with Him of this life. And then that repentance, I have thanksgiving in that prayer. Prayer of repentance, prayer of thanksgiving. And then I want to pray and you, ever, you, ever, you ever like sit down to pray and you just don't know what to pray? You're just struggling with what to pray. I wanna challenge you. Start praying for others before you start praying for yourself. Receive that forgiveness. Repentance, yes, that's for yourself, but you know what? Receive that forgiveness and then take it from there and start to just serve God and serve others as you start to recognize. I guarantee there are tons of people in your life that you know need prayer and start to pray just for some of those situations and honestly try to empathize, break down that pride, empathize their struggles. Don't condemn them. Well, you know what? If they would just, no, 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 no. Just pray for them. Praise, prayer leads me in front of his word. And as I open up his word, I recognize what he's saying to me. And from there, I receive purpose. From there, I receive purpose. And too often, we get purpose and potential mixed up. Everyone here has potential. But this is not about potential. Purpose is never really about potential. You see, let me ask you this. When Jesus was here for those few years of his life, did he ever live to his full potential? He did not. You're like, wait, what? You remember the time when they arrested him? I mean, I mean, how many times he could Jesus have done way more? He's God. But he didn't. When they arrested him, man, and they, and they came to arrest him and Peter got all full of himself. I got this. Pull out a switchblade. Cut the dude's zero off. All right, Jesus grabbed it with his toe, picked it up, boom, put it back on. <laughs> I believe he did that I didn't actually say it. He could have. All right, put it back on. He told Peter, don't you know that I can, at any time, I can summon out legions at legions of angels and just come and wipe this whole place out? Potential. He said, that's not why I came. I have a purpose. And that purpose was to give my life as a ransom for everyone, my blood to be spilled, my blood to be spilled for the sins of the world. And So when praise leads me into prayer, what guides me into understanding purpose, I recognize that if I allow potential to come before purpose, my pride will come right back with it, my potential. If I set the purpose He set before me. If I focus on the purpose that He set before me, I know I can do none of it without Him. I love what, what, what Billy Graham. You guys have heard of him, right? A lot of potential. All right. Uh, during the last days of his life, or shortly to the end of his life, they asked him. They says, hey "Amen. What would you have done differently?" If you could do this all over again, knowing that you're a potential, all right, what would you have done differently? Would you have, you know, did bigger events, gone to more different countries, talked to more world leaders, you had potential to go into all these different circles. What would you have done differently? Very calmly. I said, well, the first thing I would have done differently is I would have prayed more. Would have prayed more. And the second thing, I would have preached more on the blood of Jesus Christ. I would have preached more on the blood of Jesus. That is purpose. But do you have all this potential? Purpose. Praise, prayer, and purpose build the inner person for the glory of God. leaves no potential for sinkholes. You can't have multiple kings. There's only room for one king in your life. And when it comes down to it, there's only two options. You or him. So I want to ask you, who's your king? Amen. Once again, it's your turn. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah.